Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1. An Egyptian official briefed on negotiations in Cairo regarding a potential ceasefire agreement in Gaza has disclosed that discussions have been extended for an additional three days. This decision comes after a first day of high-level talks on Tuesday, February 13th, concluded without reaching an agreement. The official noted that the atmosphere during the talks was positive. Over the next three days, lower-level officials will continue the discussions focusing on establishing a new framework for a potential deal. This framework aims to secure the release of a specific number of hostages and ensure a cessation of hostilities for a predetermined duration, as stated by a U.S. official. The delegation representing family members of Israeli hostages held by terrorists in Gaza lodged war crimes complaints against Hamas leaders at The Hague's International Criminal Court on Wednesday. They demand accountability for the atrocities committed. It's essential to note that the ICC operates independently from the International Court of Justice, where Israel faces accusations of genocide in Gaza initiated by South Africa. While the ICJ handles disputes between nations, the ICC focuses on prosecuting individuals. The delegation, comprising about 100 family members of hostages and several dozen lawyers, submitted a legal complaint to the ICC. This court has the authority to prosecute individuals for severe violations of the Geneva Conventions, constituting war crimes, particularly if they belong to signatory states or entities, as is the case with the Palestinian Authority. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu affirmed on Wednesday, February 14th, his commitment to conducting coordinated military operations in Rafah, emphasizing his nation's determination to pursue victory relentlessly declaring that strong measures would be taken in the southern Gazan city following the evacuation of civilians from conflict areas. Meanwhile, in the north, Israeli jets hit Lebanon in heaviest airstrike since the Gaza war began. On Wednesday, February 14th, Israel initiated its most extensive and forceful assault on neighboring Lebanon since the onset of the Gaza conflict. The strikes targeted multiple locations in the south, resulting in the death of at least one Hezbollah terrorist and three civilians heightening tensions between the two historic adversaries. Israeli Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari declared the commencement of a, quote, an extensive wave of attacks in Lebanese territory by Israeli fighter jets. The offensive came in response to an earlier attack from Lebanon into the northern Israeli town of Safed, Tzfas, which struck a residential home and an Israel Defense Forces base. This incursion resulted in the death of an Israeli woman and it left at least eight individuals wounded. As hostilities escalate and strikes penetrate deeper into both territories, diplomats from the United States, Britain, France, and European Union have engaged in diplomatic efforts in Lebanon to prevent a full-scale war. Israeli officials have consistently cautioned, both publicly and privately, to allies that time for diplomatic resolutions is dwindling. In late December, Israel reportedly warned Washington that without a timely resolution on a long-term border agreement, it would escalate its confrontation with Hezbollah. It was understood among officials involved in the discussion that the end of January marked a tentative deadline for reaching an agreement. Number 2 A bipartisan redistricting commission is poised to vote on Thursday, February 15th regarding new House seat boundaries in New York State. 
The proposed adjustment aimed to offer slight advantages to Democrats in certain battleground races without instigating significant alterations that might provoke legal disputes. According to information from three state officials spanning both political parties and briefed on the parameters, the proposed lines could marginally benefit Democrats in two competitive upstate districts, while offering a similar advantage to Republicans in another upstate con constituency. However, it is anticipated that several fiercely contested districts in New York City's suburbs will remain largely unaffected. While the Commission's unveiling of the maps marks a pivotal moment, the process is not yet finalized. Approval from the Democratic-dominated state legislature is still required. Although lawmakers have yet to examine the maps or engage in discussions, some members are optimistic about obtaining approval. The optimism stems from the exhaustive 2022 process which led a court-appointed master to delineate the state's 26 House districts. The most substantial alteration is projected to affect the central New York district held by freshman Republican Representative Brandon Williams. Previous attempts to redraw the district aimed to solidify it as a Democratic stronghold but were nullified by the courts. Although the Commission's approval is a crucial step, Finalizing the line still requires endorsement from both chambers of the state legislature, where Democrats hold narrow supermajorities. The timing of this finalization remains uncertain, with some urgency due to impending deadlines for congressional candidates to begin petition collections. While Senate Majority Leader Andre Stewart-Cousins expressed openness to convening a special session, the Assembly has yet to discuss, to discuss such a possibility, making an early, re a early return unlikely. Number three. According to a reliable source familiar with the situation, the White House has rejected numerous appeals from Speaker Mike Johnson to convene with President Joe Biden regarding border security. Johnson's team has persistently sought a one-on-one -on -one meeting between the two leaders, submitting, quote, multiple requests to the White House, as disclosed by the anonymous source. However, President Biden and the White House officials have consistently maintained their stance that the House should address the Senate-approved National Security Supplement Supplemental instead of initiating new negotiations. This approach follows months of bipartisan discussions in the Senate, culminating in a bill that failed to garner support in the upper chamber. Johnson had previously dismissed this legislation as ineffective in enhancing border security and had not directly participated in the Senate deliberations. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre questioned the necessity of negotiations, emphasizing that President Biden has already been presented with the proposals he requested. Despite, despite the White House's stance, Johnson affirmed his commitment to securing a meeting with President Biden, particularly as House Republicans endeavor to formulate their own border security solution. He expressed concern over the inability of the Speaker of the House to engage directly with the President of the United States, highlighting the importance of constructive dialogue. The two leaders previously communicated via phone on January 10th and convened in person alongside several other congressional leaders on January 17th. However, Johnson's, team subsequent, Johnson's team's subsequent meeting requests, including one on January 22nd and several subsequent appeals, have all been declined by the White House. In related news, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas made history on Tuesday, February 13th as the first sitting cabinet secretary to face impeachment, with House Republicans successfully passing a public rebuke of the Biden administration's immigration policies by a narrow margin of a single vote. This marks the second attempt by House Republicans to impeach Mayorkas following a similar vote that narrowly failed the previous week. 
Concerns have been raised by Democrats and some scholars regarding the use of impeachment as a partisan tool, considering it the most serious measure provided by the U.S. Constitution to hold a public official accountable. The impeachment proceedings will now move to the Democrat-led Senate, although conviction is unlikely as it requires a two-thirds majority. Both Democrat and Republican senators have questioned the validity of the impeachment efforts, citing the lack of evidence of criminal wrongdoing by Mayorkas. Impeaching a cabinet member is exceedingly rare, with the last instance occurring nearly 150 years ago. In this case, House Republicans voted to impeach Mayorkas on charges of, quote, willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law, as well as a breach of public trust related to immigration and border security. However, all present Democrats, along with some Republican representatives, opposed the move, arguing that Mayorkas did not commit a high crime or misdemeanor. Despite the impeachment vote, Mayorkas retains his position pending the Senate's decision. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has announced that House Republican impeachment managers will present the articles to the Senate upon their return to Washington. However, conviction in the Senate is considered a long shot given the challenges faced by House Republicans in impeaching Mayorkas. While Senate Democrats have shown no support for removing Mayorkas from office, several Senate Republicans have voiced concerns or outright disapproval of the impeachment effort, suggesting that conviction is unlikely. Options such as referring the articles of impeachment to a smaller committee or voting on a motion to dismiss the charges may be considered by the Senate to avoid a trial altogether. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.